Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace that fills us. And God, we thank you that by your grace, you have forgiven us. You fill us with your Holy Spirit. And one day, God, you will finish the work that you have started in us. And so, God, for that, we pause and we rejoice in you. And Heavenly Father, we thank you for the person and work of Christ. And it's because of Jesus that we're here today. And we lift this time to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning and Happy New Year. You may be seated. My name is Mark, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and I will be uh, sharing with you today, and the passage I want to share with you comes from Colossians 1, 28 and 29, and we'll just dive right in. This is the Apostle Paul writing, and he writes, him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. God has used this passage in my life over the past several years, starting um, in the summer after my junior year in high school, God used this passage and a sermon series to call me into ministry and to, to share with my heart this passage that resonated with me. And, and God used this passage to tell me, one day I'm going to use you. Uh, I'm going to use you as a pastor. Uh, and, and this passage uh, has meant so much to me through the years. God has used uh, Colossians 1, 28 and 29 to confirm his calling when, when I doubted, to clarify what he meant by his calling. Um, I received this Bible as a gift uh, back in 1992 and the first thing I did was I wrote in the front cover Colossians 1, 28 and 29, May 16th, 1992. So this passage has meant a lot to me over the years and I'm just honored to share it with you this morning. The context of the passage comes just a verse before 28 and 29 in verse 27. And it's a powerful truth that the Apostle Paul has given us. And I love this. That truth is this. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And for that, God has made us encouragers. God has made us encouragers of that truth in the lives of others. Christ in you, the hope of glory, means that God in Christ has forgiven you to fill you so that one day he will finish what he began in you. That is a message of hope. And we are ministers of encouragement who get to carry that message not only to those who don't know God, but also to those who are believers who need that kind of encouragement. And so Christ in you, the hope of glory. Paul in Ephesians 2, 17 and 18 wrote, and he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him, 
we both have access in one spirit to the Father. That's a significant passage because Paul was speaking of the Gentiles. He was speaking of those who were considered far from God and hopeless. And those are the people who need our encouragement. So that brings us to the big idea of the passage, and that is this. God desires that we encourage one another toward maturity in Christ. Let me say that one more time. God desires that we encourage everyone toward maturity in Christ. God is the author of encouragement and he has made us ministers of encouragement for the sake of the gospel. How does that take place? Well, in verses 28 and 29, Paul tells us there are three ways that we can be encouragers of one another for the sake of the gospel. God has given us the ministry of encouragement and it looks like this. Number one, we extol Christ openly. We extol Christ openly. The word extol uh, simply means to enthusiastically applaud the person and the work of Christ. And what that looks like is sharing what God has done in our lives, sharing what Christ means to us, how he saved us and redeemed us and rescued us. It also means pointing out Christ when we see him at work in another person. You know, sometimes when God is at work in your life, you may be the last person to know it. Your focus is on Christ, and as God is transforming you, and as he is making you more like himself, he sometimes will bring encouragers along to say something like, you were one way, and now you're completely different. (laughs) I see Christ in you. And so we, as ministers of encouragement, get to take that place of encouragers in the lives of others to say, I see Christ in you. And then finally, encouragers are those who remind others of the promises of God. In Ephesians, uh, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Paul says this, encourage one another with these words. So we extol Christ by reminding people, reminding believers of the promises of God. And I love this passage that goes along with extolling Christ. 2 Corinthians 3.18. Now the Lord is the spirit and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. We extol Christ openly when we recognize that it's the person and work of Jesus Christ who transforms us and we praise God openly and that encourages people. Secondly, we exhort one another graciously. Notice that Paul says, warning everyone, He first says, him we proclaim. That's the extolling part. And then he says, warning everyone graciously. That means we admonish everyone. Now, I grew up in South Georgia, and we have a different dialect than here. And it's not uncommon to hear someone say, I won't do that if I were you. That is, I don't recommend that course of action. So Paul, Paul was a master... Uh, exhortation specialist and his favorite phrasing in the vein of exhortation was 
put off the old man and put on the new man. Exhortation as a form of encouragement that God calls us to in the lives of others is to say to them, don't do that, do this. Take it from me. I've been there, done that. Don't do that, don't do that, do this. For example, look at Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. I love this passage. But that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And to be renewed in the spirit of your minds. And to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. That's exhortation. Paul says, put off the old man, put on the new man. All of us need exhortation. And that's the toughest form of encouragement. Because sometimes uh, to, to exhort someone is to share with them in a loving way. Hey, you're going the wrong direction. God allows U-turns and you can turn around and you can repent. And exhortation is some of the toughest uh, encouraging conversations you can have. I've experienced exhortation myself um, and I'd like to share just a quick illustration. Uh, I'm told I'm not very vulnerable sometimes, so here we go. Um, (laughs) When we first moved to Florida, um, I was just enamored with the wildlife. People think that... that, uh, people move to Florida because of the economy or the the governor. No, we move here for the wildlife. It's fascinating. (laughs) And I remember that I was so desperate for a, 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 just a a gator experience, a a close encounter of the reptile kind. I really wanted to be up close and personal with a gator so I could get a good picture of a gator. Um, and, and there it is. And so, um, one day, um, Two days after Christmas, our first year here, uh, 2014, uh, I was driving Tiffany and John uh, to the mall for some reason, and there was this magnificent beast sunning himself um, in the retention pond in front of the mall. And so I said, hey, y'all, watch this. And so I pulled up, I parked, and um, I said, let's go see this magnificent creature to which Tiffany said, I'm going to stay in the car. And John had no choice. He was 10. So we go up the embankment that was designed to keep people out and then down the embankment. And I kid you not, I had John with me and we just inched closer. And the closer we inched, the more tense his muscles got. Like, I don't, I'm not feeling this. And so he was just getting more tense and I would just kind of inch a little closer. I've got my camera and I got within, well, I'll say this, objects in the picture appear closer than they actually are. Um, And so I had my gator experience. Two seconds after I snapped this picture, uh, that gator did a backflip in the air and disappeared under the water. And that's when I realized, uh uh-oh, that that may not have been the best idea. Um, But... I was so happy to share with Colleen my gator experience. I just was so happy to say, you won't believe, I got like within 10, 12 feet of a live gator. I got a great picture. I just sent it to you over the phone. Um, I mean, it just so happened that we saw this gator uh, as I was uh, going to the mall. She listened patiently. She only had one question, where, where is John? And... <laughs> 
I said, that's a good question. Fun fact for you, whenever someone answers a question with, that's a good question, you need to brace yourself because <laughs> you're not going to like the answer. And, and she didn't. Um, she didn't like the answer because he was right with me. And, and, um, and she blessed me with the gift of exhortation. <laughs> and she did. <laughs> she just basically said, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You know, that's... But, um, Guys, you ever seen your wife turn into a mama bear? Uh, <laughs> yeah, that, I don't recommend that. I'm, I don't advocate for that. That's not a good idea. And so I had to agree with her. But that's exhortation. Exhortation is saying, hey, hey, ma'am, sir, uh, you're going the wrong direction. I say that in love. And I say that because I care about you. Um, I, I see you going down a pathway that, that God... God doesn't approve, and it's going to hurt your witness. Here's what exhortation is not. Uh, exhortation is not criticism. Criticism is not a gift of the Spirit. Uh, and no one likes a backseat driver who's constantly looking over your shoulder. But exhortation is that gift of encouragement that reminds us that God allows U-turns, and he does. Lastly, what does it mean to encourage people in Christ? We explain the mystery of the gospel plainly. We explain the mystery of the gospel plainly. That means we come alongside people to help them take their next steps of obedience. Uh, we encourage them to depend on his wisdom and energy, not our own. We encourage them to obey Jesus first and fast. You know, one of the best measures of spiritual growth is the gap between God's command and your obedience. Is that gap getting smaller or larger? We want to, we want to obey Jesus first and fast. We want to encourage them uh, that there's a difference between uh, teaching to impart knowledge and teaching them to obey what they already know. I got a first-hand glimpse of this not long ago. We had a men's spiritual formation class uh, that we hosted here. We actually had four classes for guys that met on different days and different times. And in that class, uh, men in a small group environment made themselves accountable to one another to memorize scripture, uh, to, to journal passages, to come back to the group, to quote those passages they memorized, to share what God was doing in their lives, to share what they were learning from different quiet time entries. And so there was a degree of vulnerability there that they were required to have as a result of attending this class. I, I tell you what, guys rose to the challenge and more uh, for several weeks, um, they shared what God was doing in their lives. They encouraged one another. And I saw men come alongside one another that I'd never seen. I'd never seen that before. And it was a beautiful thing to see. Uh, men were sharing their struggles. Men were asking for prayer. Men were sharing what God had shown them in his word. We explain the mystery of the gospel plainly. And that means that we come alongside someone and we help them. We help them with their struggling. We help them to see Christ in themselves. And we help them to obey Christ first and fast. And so that brings me to a story, just a, a, a brief journey I want to share with you and then I'll be done. Um, God has just really not only used this passage in my life, 
to call me into ministry, to clarify my calling, to remind me again and again who I am in Christ. But I've been the recipient of this kind of encouragement. And I just want to share um, the, the three smartest men I know in my life that, that I, I just have deep respect for. My dad, uh, my twin brother, and my younger brother. Just great guys. My dad... Um, went to Georgia Tech and majored in chemical engineering, later went into the Navy where he was a reactor operator aboard a nuclear submarine in the Cold War, and then he went back and finished his, his degree in nuclear engineering. Um, my twin brother uh, has a degree in mechanical engineering, um, and my younger brother is one of the directors of a software company, so he's a software engineer. I promise you this is not a bar joke where you say a nuclear engineer, a mechanical engineer, <laughs> and a software engineer walk into a bar. No, this is really, this is really true. These guys, um, these guys are brilliant and good men. I wish you knew them. Just, just salt-of-the-earth guys. Um, somehow the, that gene missed me. Um, <laughs> it missed me a little bit, and that's Okay. Um, God is the author of encouragement. But I do remember um, these, uh, these men are some of the smartest men I know. And so it's, it's not uncommon for engineering and math to be a part of our household growing up. Um, I, I struggled with math uh, greatly. Um, had a little bit of a learning disability. Um, and I remember... I remember uh, in seventh grade, I brought home a 38 on my midterm report card in algebra. I did, and uh, it's not because I was goofing off. I knew what goofing off looks like. I once got kicked out of driver's ed for playing too much paper football. But what are you supposed to do when a guy goes like this, you know? So I know what goofing off looks like. This was not goofing off. This was just doing the best I could. But for whatever reason, I had a mental block with math. And um, uh, I was in a, a, a few remedial classes uh, in school. And, and my mom uh, just fought for me. And um, she would go to the school and tell them, he doesn't belong in a remedial class. You put him in these other classes. And, and they would say, the testing reveals this is where he needs to be. Um, there's something about Southern women you need to know. They are, they're some of the most stubborn women on earth <laughs> in a great way. And my mom was an advocate for me, but I really struggled in that area with math and science. And I remember when I brought that 30 home, 38 home on my midterm, I just remember uh, my dad saying, let's take a ride. And I had no idea what direction that would go. Uh, I, uh, I think about the lyrics to a country music song. I'd be better off in a pine box on a slow train back to Georgia than going on that train, going on that car ride. I thought there's, they're going to be looking for a body soon. And I, I really, I didn't know what to expect. But you know what? My dad encouraged me on that car ride. Um, he just, I don't remember what he said, but I, I remember how I felt. Um, I just remember the self-talk that was just infecting my soul where I would say, why can't you be like, why can't I be like my brother? <laughs> why can't I get this right? I, I am such a disappointment to my family. I can't believe I'm here. 
My dad encouraged me and promised me, I'm going to get you whatever help you need. And so I began meeting with Miss Bonds, who was a math tutor. And she, uh, she and I would meet, and she would just patiently help me understand uh, how to manage math, how to approach it, how to solve problems. And I just remember there were times I'd get so white hot mad at myself, frustrated, very, very discouraged because I couldn't do this. And, and my other family members found this so easy. It came so naturally. And so I, I remember um, just having these negative thoughts, graduated from high school and there was a local community college that uh, admitted me, and uh, there was a conditional admission. I'd have to take a remedial uh, college algebra class. And so I took that, took that step, got through that, and just thanked God profusely. I was in a junior college, and I remember just thinking, I know it's probably not possible, but my dream college would be go to the would be, good, would be to go to the University of Georgia. I would love to do that. God, would you just help me make that happen? And I worked like a dog. And I, I remember, no pun intended, I remember, <laughs> I remember getting that acceptance letter, and it wasn't conditional. It was with a scholarship. And my parents were so instrumental in helping me get to that point. And I thought, oh, God, I am a happy man. This is where you want me to be, and I'm just really, I'm really thrilled with this. And I remember graduating UGA, and I thought, you know, I, I'm, I'm into this program. I, I've learned the system. I'd like to go get a graduate degree here and, and then eventually teach. And then God intervened and said, what did I say? <laughs> uh, God, God told me, I'm not finished with you yet. That's not where I want you. I want you in Fort Worth and seminary. So, um, I went there. I, I obeyed God and I enrolled in seminary. And it's there that I pursued a, uh, two graduate degrees, one in religious education and one in marriage and family counseling. And um, at, at first, I went there the one semester and I dropped. I just said, I, I can't do this. And I started running out of money is what it was. And so I had to go back, get some more money. And I eventually came to the very end of my seminary career. And I told myself, starting seminary, I'll never be one of these guys that gets married in seminary and has a kid. I see those people, and they're working all the time. Well, I met my wonderful wife, Colleen. We got married, and we had Lauren. <laughs> I remember that. And that was God's plan, and I'm so, so grateful for that. The point of it is this. Uh, one of the degree programs... And marriage and family counseling was a program that led to state licensure in counseling. And any degree program that led to state licensure in counseling, um, the, the candidate had to take a doctoral level math class called analytical, analytical statistics. And uh, I put that off to the very last semester. And it, it probably wasn't, in hindsight, the best idea because I had conditional employment with a church in Nacogdoches, and they said, hey, uh, we'll hire you part-time. You just drive to Nacogdoches, serve on the weekends, and then once you graduate, the job is yours. The only thing standing in my way was this doctoral-level analytical <laughs> statistics class. And for those of you who are not familiar with that, that particular math class is, well, it's like math, 
It's like math hopped up on Red Bull with, uh, <laughs> with a two liter of Mountain Dew. I mean, it's just, it seemed overwhelming to me. But you know what? God brought me to that point for a reason. And I think back to all the people in my life who were encouragers. God knew I would face a giant like that. And you know what he gave me? He placed encouragers in my life. I remember in junior college, this one professor uh, was just walking by. We were goofing off as kids. She stopped and pointed at me and said, I believe in you. And uh, just made a big difference. Um, God's going to do good things with you. And I had a few other people who told me that. Uh, And so it it made all the difference. Uh, And so I passed that class. Um, And as I look back on that experience, it's not because I suddenly got good at math. Um, I'd like to prove that to you. If you, you know, in a little while, uh, we'll go to lunch and we'll enjoy a good meal, my family and I, at a local restaurant. And the bill will arrive. I'll pull the bill under the table and I'll attempt to calculate the tip using my fingers. So, uh, (laughs) and... Colleen will eventually see what I'm doing, and she'll say, just use the phone. And so I'll eventually use that because she's like, I want to go home, you know. So, uh, so this is not a story about me getting good at math or overcoming odds. Here's what this is. A sto- this is why I tell you this story. God said, I'm not finished with you yet. I have a work to do in your life. I've called you to something that's greater than yourself And that calling will require me to place encouragers in your path. And he did. And you know what? You are commissioned as an encourager. Do the work of encouragement. I'll finish with this. Miss Bonds, when she was tutoring me, there were times when she was working hard to explain a concept. And I'd get so frustrated with myself. And she would say, let's do it again. Let's go back again. Let's go back again. Let's go back over this again. She toiled away. Colossians 1, 28 and 29. The very last part of that verse, what does Paul say? He toils with the energy and the wisdom that God provides. Encouragement is hard work, but it's worth it. And so I just want to finish with this. God desires that we encourage everyone toward maturity in Christ. God is the author of encouragement, and he has called us into the ministry of encouragement for the sake of the gospel. We cannot grow spiritually in isolation. We need one another. So do the work of an encourager. Do the work of an encourager. You do the work of an encourager. As God brings people into your life, you you exhort Christ in their presence. You point them to Jesus. As necessary, you share with them, hey, God allows U-turns. You want to take this U-turn up ahead. And then finally, come alongside people who are in need. I I, I couldn't have done it without people coming alongside me. Uh, Come alongside people who are in need and encourage them. Let them know what God is doing in your life. You never know where a car ride will take you. (laughs) You know, you never know what encouragement will do.
Encouragement is oxygen for the soul that takes a person farther than they think they can go. Let's pray. Father, I thank you. Father, I thank you that you are the God of all encouragement and you have made us ambassadors and ministers of encouragement. So, Father, I just pray for all of us who are gathered. I ask that you would indeed make us ministers of encouragement who come alongside one another, who love one another, who extol Christ to one another, who exhort when necessary, and who explain the mystery of the gospel, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Father, we love you. We thank you for this day. We thank you for a new year that we have to serve as encouragers for the sake of the gospel. God, we bless you and we praise you. In your name we pray.